Welcome to the Rumpus Room. Hey everybody, how's it going out there? It's the boys from the Midwest back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room. And let's hit them with the takeaway message of the day. I want to talk a little bit about how to break bad news to somebody. And you don't say, I got a good thing and a bad thing. Which one do you want to hear first? That is not how you do it. Okay. So there's been a lot of research and... Uh, debate and the best way to do it is to set it up by saying i've got something that you're not going to like and then you just say it so i'm not i'm not i've got something you're not going to like i just smelled your fart it's fine let's go into the other room like then you end positive so it's like you well how about basically firing somebody yeah yeah so it's i i'm sorry i got something you're not going to like or i'm sorry this is, um, I'm really sorry. And uh, like, it's important to say I'm sorry and to be very, um, apologetic. I'm sorry. This is, this is just really bad. Um, you're going to need to like what we need to talk. Mm -hmm. And then you just say it, whatever you're going to say, you're fired. And then you try to end on a positive note. And you don't try to like say too much. That's kind of a, a big problem, I think, is to try to say, oh my gosh, hold on. I got something bad to say. And then you kind of, you know, like fluff it at the beginning. Sure. So that creates a lot of anticipation. So what you're supposed to do is, and I've been actually practicing this, is you just say, hey, you're not going to like this. And then you just say it. And then you kind of end on a more positive note. Like, for example, if you have somebody that you're working with, you I mean, say... Have you, have you had to do this recently or is this just yeah, yeah, something Yeah, that... so like you basically you didn't hit a goal or something like that. Or somebody screwed up on your team. And so you have to tell somebody else. You say, hey, you know, I'm sorry you're not going to like this. This happened and it's not good. And here's what we're doing now to fix it. You know, and you kind of give the reasons... Like, hey, okay, we're handling it this way and you have these things solved out. But I think a lot of people don't know how to, don't know how to, you know, say something like break up with her girlfriend or, you know, what is, a, what is something, you know, what is some terrible news you have to convey? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So the short, I mean, you just want to be as simple as possible. Sure. Yeah. I remember the first time I ever fired somebody, I had this, I, I used the old cliche. There's no easy way for me to say this. So you're fired. <laughs> and there you go. Not exactly the most empathetic way to bridge I mean, but the gap. Uh, well, and there's only so, so, I mean, you can only be so empathetic. Sure. But having that sort of qualifying statement about you, first of all, you start with them. You know, mm -hmm. I have something that you're not going to like. Yes. Which is different than me telling you about my experience. This is hard for me to say you're fired. Uh, I'm yeah. struggling with this. Yeah. Oh, and you're really going to struggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. It's very specific to them. Mm -hmm. And then you say, like, I'm sorry, or you kind of qualify it with some emotion and make sure that it's, you know, it's it's empathy. It's there. It's real. Well, um, does this have anything to do with some of the uh, challenges that one of your buddies is experiencing? I mean, mm -hmm. talking yes. about difficult conversations is breakups are never easy. 
Um, they're about the. I mean, I specifically remember the breakups that I had to do with gals. They were not fun. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a friend who's kind of going through a situation. They've been together for a long time and the whole living together. And now it's kind of, kind of, it seems like it's going down the route of them separating and breaking up. So we have had a lot of conversations and it seems like social media is making this entire thing way, way worse. Well, definitely, definitely way different. Well, if you think about the whole idea of matching with somebody nearly instantaneously, mm-hmm. you have a pseudo mini relationship. Let's say you perhaps get involved with people for the first time. Ghosting has become a real thing where people just up and vanish and don't talk to each other anymore. Breaking yeah. up over texts. I mean, the uh, transactional nature of society is making relationship movement even more transactional as well for sure yeah it's trending that way i mean if you started with a swipe you end with a swipe you know it's yeah, like yeah i'm just gonna forget you yeah, yeah okay i'm gonna low, just move on low barriers to entry low barriers to exit for sure well and that's the easy way out mm-hmm. that's where you take less ownership that's why we were kind of talking about meeting meeting girls or women you know that's a lot of men aren't doing the go up to somebody at a bar and just or going up to somebody at a coffee shop and asking them out that's kind of more of a unique thing in this day and age yeah it is. it's a lot easier uh-huh. to just swipe and set up five dates and and what we're hearing is a lot of people don't show up for those dates there's a lot more ghosting for dates and then like yeah. oh sorry i forgot how do you forget that's it's such bullshit so horrible i uh... I don't know. Um, I try not to ever be on the side of like the curmudgeon older person who thinks that the younger society is totally screwed up and it was better when we, when we were growing up because that is a rejection of the innovation. Evolution. Yeah, the evolution, evolution of, of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so I always think about, well, like how does that then get amplified? Will the institution of marriage become more obsolete because of the transactional nature of relationships. Um, I don't know. It could. It certainly could. And I'd, I'd like to... I mean, the, the emotional sort of discomfort that is experienced throughout that time um, I think is really exacerbated by social media. And one of the things we were chatting about earlier is um, how... It's very difficult to move on after a breakup if you are still being pushed content about that individual. And uh, that content is probably going to be the most triggering. So let's say you're on your Facebook feed and you've recently broken up with a person. And the first thing that shows up on the feed is their recent status or their recent photo or whatever. Mm -hmm. Chances are you're going to click on it. The Facebook algorithm is going to record that every single time that they show content about your ex, you click on it. So that means you better believe every single effing piece of content that they're in or even marginally affiliated with is probably going to be sent your direction, which for sure. Well, how would Facebook know you broke up? So, well, if you know, you probably changes, but but I also think like they can see. They see a behavior in you clicking on them for such a long time, mm-hmm. you know, because if you're dating somebody yeah. or with them, 
you're going to be involved in posts. And so you're going to be basically connected through this algorithm. And so they're going to continue to spit you into these instances. Like it's not going to change. It's going to take a lot to change it, basically, is what I'm saying. A lot of interaction. So they will always pop up right away sure. when anything happens. And your relationship status, if it does change, they would know. I also wouldn't put it past them to say that they're doing voice recognition and they probably recorded that conversation about the breakup. <laughs> I don't think that they have the technology right now to actualize on that information, but I could be wrong. It's a lot of data, so I'm not sure if they can... I mean, think I bet about you there all. are pockets and markets of users where they're literally piloting that sort of thing. I'm sure. I mean, it, it has to be just in a massive amount of data to oh. take in conversations. Well, so the, um, yes, it's it's a massive amount. But I was listening to this uh, interview with Edward Snowden, who says that when he buys a cell phone, the first thing he does is break it open and un and disconnect the speaker. Really? Yeah. And then whenever he wants to make a phone call, he plugs in an auxiliary microphone because then he knows that the phone the can only can listen through the, the the through the auxiliary microphone. Wow! Yeah, that's nuts. Mm-hmm. He also said there are some other. I think he disconnects the camera as well. I'm sure that's yeah. what they get all their metadata, like geo data and stuff too. Oh yeah, and all of the tracking software and everything like that. Um, mm-hmm. it's, so I, I thought that was pretty scary yeah i mean and the thing about him is he's just he can be he's got nothing to lose now he doesn't he's over in moscow bell of the ball over there Mm -hmm. probably throwing him parties and stuff i'm sure um he uh made me think about this other gentleman who i work with who is 100 percent convinced that the future of computing and storage is local Right now, there is an incredible move to the cloud. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, I don't know, 60 years old and been a mathematician, computer programmer for 30, you know, longer than I've been around. And he was saying back in the 70s, it was the same thing with the mainframe. Everybody who was a computer scientist was like, oh, it's all about the mainframe. It's all about the mainframe. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, a personal computer came out and totally took the world by storm because the personal computer f- suddenly had storage that in- people could individually access locally. Mm. And he is banking his entire career on the fact that there is going to be this huge flight away from the cloud because of the vulnerabilities associated with sharing personal information over a wired or wireless connection. Mm-hmm. And he's like dead serious that at some point all of our personal data storage will be brought back onto our local devices. And there's no other way around it. It's only a matter of time because people will not stand for the amount of privacy, for the lack of privacy that you will truly have if Mm. you're using any sort of data that is being shared over a connection. So he's he's into kind of the own your own data. Everybody's going to have personal server sort a, of a thing, uh, yeah. like a, their own VPN type setup. Yeah, and not even a VPN because his thing is like store all of the data locally and then use basically 
um, models to identify what type of information is being stored. Mm-hmm. And then based on what type of information is being stored, pull down the analytic, the, the, the models from the cloud. Yep. And then run those locally on the device to determine a output from that model. But mm-hmm. the thing is, the data actually never leaves. You just exchange what models you're running across the wired connection. So there would be a record of what you'd be downloading or sending back. But there would not be that transmission back to the server yeah. of that individual information. So which- he's just saying that that's a big... There's too much of a security risk. There's too much of a security involved. risk and there is a lack of ownership. And it was so interesting to listen to him because he went up and talked with this guy who um, was a UHG Ventures person. And um, the everything that he said was, you know, we're really interested in big data solutions that are aggregators that are sucking all this information in. And this guy goes up and he's like, no, no, no. It's all about the personal local device. And I was like, dude, you are 15 effing years in front of these people. Yes, they no are thinking way. about very short term. Well, not only that, but it's the that is the Facebook and the Google model of like, and Amazon is we're going to be an aggregator. We're going to be a garbage disposal of give us everything. We have it all. We own it. And then yeah. we're the, we, but then what you do is you don't own any of your actual information. Yeah, Even you, if it's de-identified. You and give blah, it blah, up. Blah, you willingly give it up. And there's mm-hmm. a... Um, there's a philosopher, I can't remember, it's Jared something or other. He's a, a sort of a tech philosopher who talks about like people should be paid for their social media activity. Like if people are, if Facebook is profiting off of your social media consumption, you should be paid yeah. for it, which I think is a really interesting and altruistic and probably unrealistic in this capital. Not in this, this, not in this economy. No, no. I, I think that might happen in, in subsequent generations because I had this, I had this thought the other day where, um, people were talking or, you know, climate crisis is a big deal. Mm-hmm. You've got Greta Thunberg, you got Fox analysts calling her mentally retarded. I mean, it's a shit show. Um, but mm-hmm. the reality is people are having a more in-depth conversation about it, definitely, which is good, in my mm-hmm. opinion. It um, is. There's a lot of evidence to suggest we're nearing the point of no return. Um, I don't necessarily know the accuracy of it's really all hard that stuff. It's very difficult. It's really hard to through the scientific evidence. But we, I, are, we are mm-hmm. messing we're we are there is a ticking time bomb well yeah and we're not humans aren't good for the earth humans by all we consume by all aspects of humans from a um from a biological perspective are very similar to a cancer mm-hmm. or a parasite yeah I mean, we we're, consume. we're essentially like a parasite on earth mm-hmm. yeah, yeah we're the top parasite we are the best parasite uh-huh. well cockroaches are better that's true, um, but uh, they're—I don't—they're not a parasite necessarily; they're an insect. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, so uh, where was I going? Well, with we're, that like social time? media in in my. I think there's a. Sh- I think there. This is going to kind of be like a flash in the pan type. I don't think they'll be around for a really long time. I don't know. I I think virtual is going to be big, and then what I was thinking the other day is that millennials are too. Um, 
little bitchy complainers. Uh, really, yeah. I mean, I'm one of them. And the majority. What are you doing? You're mad. You go write a review. The majority of millennials are um, probably not as active as we all like to think that we are. Mm-hmm. And my my con- my contention. My contention is that I don't think millennials are going to be the ones to save the world in terms of like really solving the climate crisis or helping people get out of the, you know, um, mental illness stuff that's being caused by social media or, Mm -hmm. or world peace or global hunger or whatever. But I do think that we're probably capable of raising the generation that does it you think so i do just because if you look at the generational kind of um handoff that occurs so you have like the greatest generation that basically got through the war era and we're just kind of all about let's enjoy ourselves and be productive and smoke tons of cigarettes and drink a bunch and then all this science came out about like oh that's not actually you should a do good idea long term mm-hmm. and then there was kind of this sort of revolution where people i think got more into health and wellness well, that's and definitely happening now yeah 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 and, and then now i think we have this sort of um like the the baby boomer generation were people who basically like coined or enabled the digital revolution they were the people who did it yeah then what you have is Gen Xers who were a little bit too late. And then you had millennials who were raised square in the middle of the digital revolution, mm-hmm. which is undoubtedly the largest um, advancement. I mean, it's akin to the printing press. It's basically like we've it's been, an informational. It's an informational like, enabling technology that is going to vault yeah. the human humans. In a direction, whether or not you agree that's the right direction is, you know, whatever. But so I think, too, it's kind of like we're drinking out of a fire hose right now. We are playing. I think we're we're playing with a weapon. We don't know what it is. And I think a lot of mental health can be equated with like we don't know how to handle a lot of this information. How do we how do we communicate this? I think we will be I think you're right. We will raise kids and have more insight into mental health and we will be able to kind of arm them with certain strategies and tools and tips to move through this that we kind of had to figure out on our own Um, and not only that but like with the tools in order to negotiate the ridiculousness that is the world because i think the green revolution is inevitable i think there's no other way i think at some point Everybody will pretty much all be using renewals. Yeah, like that's going to come. Whether mm-hmm. it's 50 years from now or 100, I don't, you know, it's going to happen. Well, it has to. I it mean, has to. There's going to be some overwhelming evidence that's going to tip the scale. And there's only so long I think people can kind of ignore some of that. Well, and I, I think the generation younger than us grew up on the social media devices, which we didn't know what we were dealing with yeah we have no we had so we no idea. so we let these companies run rampant and i don't think the real ramifications of continued social media usage since 
the ability to touch a screen. The 15 Nobody years, has probably. no idea. Yeah. Nobody has any idea what long-term social media utilization does to the brain. I mean, I would bet 10 years is the most that they've studied it, but we certainly don't have anything that's yeah, 30. It's been 15 years of basically when we started to kind of get device heavy. Get connected, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think the, the younger generation is going to be managing the ramifications with that. But my consensus is then the generation that grows up after them, hopefully, will be incredibly equipped because we will have enough evidence. We've had the millennials who went through and sort of got beat up. We'll have the digital revolution people who are really getting beat up. I mean, yeah, you think about are. young boys and the whole Fortnite thing and being antisocial oh, and man. all this stuff. I mean, when the addiction to these, the addiction, like, like the, 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 uh, iPad babysitters, the sure. iPhone babysitters, yep. you just see yep. them. I think that's really going to, the brain, the impacts of the brain on a child will be, it'll uh, be really fascinating to look yeah. at the studies mm. and see, here's a child's brain who you, who consumed, social media or electronic services for eight hours a day here's a child that's one yeah what do you want to do as a society and i don't think we have that quite yet so when that data becomes available though i think there'll be a continued revolution um, among people to say okay we have to reorient ourselves otherwise we're going to be destroyed again completely destroyed yeah yeah so i i think that's that's why I think it we're two generations away from figuring from actualizing what real social media usage um, should be looking like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with the position we've been in, I think there's been kind of an awakening in terms of like people can say that's spiritually, but I think with the information that's been presented with the internet, there's just a lot more ways to gain information and to learn new things that previously were stored in libraries or were held by institutions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. all of that knowledge was essentially, you know, held. And now we're starting to realize a lot of this stuff at a lot younger age. And I think we're just starting to figure out how to compartmentalize some of it. And I think, it's interesting because you can see some of the trends with people that are getting kind of how do you take studies and how do you take information, put it into your life and make it be actionable. And I'm seeing a lot of people start to move past some of those that are, you know, staying in their own ways. You kind of can see, you know, classmates that are not changing and you can see that path being different than people are. So, I think once that knowledge becomes more mainstream, education is going to change rapidly. Um, I think we there's going to be a lot more, a lot more information, but the right information. You know, we're going to be able to figure out how to do studies more appropriately with less. I think like we, it takes so much, like it just on the medical side, to study these medical behaviors. There's so much. Uh, influencing the outcomes, you know, like there are who pays for the study? How do you fund it? All this stuff is really cost heavy. And so once some of those barriers are decreased, we're going to be able to have more objective data to run off of. And I just think that's going to take our kind of, you know, thumb fingernail um, sliver of information and make it much, much more actionable and 
it's going to move our race a lot quicker. But again, that's, you know, not in the next five to 10 years. Yeah. And I, and I probably am overly optimistic that we will even make progress on this as opposed to go to the third world war, because I do have a friend of mine who literally is like, yeah, world war three is only a matter of time. Really? He really thinks that. And, um, I, I don't, I feel like everybody understands the consequences of actual global violent war. I think we're just going to experience cyber war for the rest of our... Yeah, I think cyber is where the third... Yeah. Well, there's probably a war happening we don't know about. And then the real war will occur with uh, if we find aliens. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> what, what, so what's I, your thoughts on aliens? Um, well, I listened to an interesting Joe Rogan podcast with Dan Aykroyd. And Dan Aykroyd was pushing this... Um, was pushing this uh, alien sort of themed vodka and he is a huge alien buff. Like he goes to alien conferences and whatever. And it's kind of funny that he ended up in Ghostbusters. Um, but he, he knows his craft. He really knows a lot about it. And um, 1953, there were, you know, all of these sightings and all this. He was just rattling off facts about various different people who have come forward and been abducted and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, who knows what's real. It's very. <laughs> it's such a. It's very mystical ridiculous. part of. And the... since Area 51 just did not happen. Yeah. I am so disappointed. I was really hoping that people would rally and this this is why i don't believe that millennials will do what they say Hmm. is because they won't that's the biggest example of like here is a global movement that everybody kind of realizes is a joke but it became very sort of serious and then fell flat and I think that's just going to kind of be like the a lot over- of the movements are like that. Exactly. But that's why general movements, that's but that's why only real change occurs in second wave stuff. Mm-hmm. First wave feminism sort of fails. Second wave really actually wins. Like first sort of wave civil rights mm-hmm. gets you through the door. Second wave civil rights actually makes you full blown citizens. So um, yep. that's how movements occur. And I think we're probably in, I don't know if we're in first wave climate, tra- climate mm-hmm. movements or not. We're definitely in first wave digital movements, which is one of the reasons that I don't think we're going to figure it out now. Yeah. And um, I think we're, I think we're in first wave alien movements too. You so, think so yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I have difficulty believing that in the, it, the vast expanse of eternity Mm -hmm. which means infinity according to the scientists or at least an ever expanding amount of infinity because which is then of obviously infinity and i have i i believe that plants are conscious because my definition of consciousness is like an ability to discern and respond essentially okay yep which is even short-sighted because time becomes a factor and i'm not so sure certain that time is anything more than a construct but mm-hmm. anyways i don't necessarily Small topic we could talk yeah, about that later yeah yeah um i don't think that i think it would be rather um short-sighted to say that 
the only intelligence that exists is that which is on this planet. Well, it's mathematically highly improbable. Improbable. Yeah. You, I mean, you you can take the field on this one. It's pretty easy because there's just. I mean, I so I watched the Hubble telescope. I went to the Hubble telescope in Washington D.C. We watched a film, mm-hmm. which basically you just see how far that thing can see. And it is impossible. You can see so far, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it is impossible to think that an, it goes that far in every direction, and there's not something else out there. Not intelligence, exactly. Because my definition of consciousness is kind of like some sort of intelligence. I don't think like everything outside of the world is inanimate and just like consciousless. Yes. So for me, I think it's very probable that there are civilizations or beings on other. You, you know, you can call it planes or dimensions or whatever. Well, and it's like, do to... I think they're little green men flying around? <laughs> I'm, I'm not entirely certain, but hey, check this but out. But like what, an, like an amoeba, you know, or something that's like an earlier version of a cell mm-hmm. for sure. Well, like, think about this. Um, let's just say hypothetically, human beings continue to be these tiny little idiots that sit in the front of computer screens and talk to we, each other on mics we wouldn't need we wouldn't need hair because we're always in controlled environments mm-hmm. so we would end up being these little sort of bald things that would be turn green low in your chair because you would be optimized to be sitting in a chair so your legs would get shorter. so your legs would be shorter and your arms would be longer you may still have arms long enough to reach the keyboards well yeah and they'd be like maybe a little thicker because they may have used, they used to perhaps more dexterous, yeah, yeah. Um, or really thin and really long. I don't know, yep. you know, um, like spider hands. And yeah, think about you it. You perhaps let's say we have this ability to maximize knowledge retention or whatever because we figured out brain what, size, brain something or other. So I could I could see how There's you would a get a larger brain. One of those guys like that Joe Rogan figures out those daily supplements just apparently makes your brain bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we got we got little hairless uh short legs. Short legs. Long arms, long, long arm, fingers, big head, big head things. Probably big eyes. Probably bigger eyes because now all of a sudden we've realized that it's helpful to see more screens, you know? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, you could you go the other have, way. Your vision, you want to have more. Vision is important. Yeah, vision is a very important thing, which mm-hmm. I, you know, we're at a, a disadvantage. We're yeah, evolutionary we're, the wrong yeah, way. On that I would one. not be an archer, that's for sure. No. And if I was an archer, I'd be in the back. We'd be up front. I'd be in the back. Basically blowing down the, uh, or trying to climb the wall. Yeah, I, you know, I always think about that. Like, what would I have been if I were in a um, ancient medieval army? Mm-hmm. I believe I would have probably been. You're uh, a tactician. I, a tactician or more of like a medicine man type of mystic. I think I might be in the back of the tent mixing up potions. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I would be. I, I would be in battle. I know that. You certainly would be. I think I would be in battle. I don't think I would necessarily be like a frontline guy. I think I'd kind of well, be you like, let's whoop to... everybody up and get them out there. Well, here's the thing. I always think of like outriders, you know, like the people who go out and scout or whatever, because mm-hmm. you're a speed guy, but your eyesight sucks. Yeah. So, I, you know, well, you smoke would signals. You, would you have, 
<laughs> would you have or maybe you have somebody who's like your sight person you'd have seeing eye you'd have a seeing eye peasant yeah they'd have a guy that'd come along and be like hey what's that over there <laughs> tell me i'm gonna run after it you'd be the equivalent of like a modern day sign language person who's at a con- uh yeah uh, a speech but he'd be telling you'd just be narrating the whole time yeah. telling you about what is out there <laughs> and then you'd just be going fast yeah um, i think the site thing would really knock me down from well and, and then obviously you have to think about like would the site thing because my site i could going, still read though my exactly so that's why i think i would be more of a bookworm potion master type maybe uh, a, maybe i'd be what everybody wants to be an mba a strategy guy in I'd the be NBA. the strategy guy in the, the oh, getting an MBA. What, yeah, what does everybody want to go? You'd be a, <laughs> I'm, I work at strategy now. <laughs> I really think that these guys are going to come from the South. Yep. Well, I mean that, uh, what would be the equivalent? I'm trying to think we need to hire an outside consultant, an outside war. It's consultant. probably Varys from uh game of Thrones. Yeah, pretty much. He's the, the political game player. But he's not as much of a war strategist no, as no. he is a political um, strategist. is a political strategist, which I'm not as interested in that. So I, no, I, I that's not something I could be interested in either. Mm-hmm. I think and I'd I, be, I think at a young age, kind of like I was, I would be in the midst of battle whooping it up well, but we, then i would fall back we would have definitely been um coin or tagged to be sent to battle you know mm-hmm. able bottle able well, you have three as we brothers are. that would wrestle for their entire yeah we, we would have been first we would have been in the army at some life. point yeah i like to think that um well something like the uh roman pharynx you know that or phalanx or mm-hmm. i believe it's phalanx and it's uh or phallix uh, it's essentially this like invention of a shielded group of like 50 people who with interlocking shields. And basically what they did is they all just stayed in a line and just hit people with shields and then use spears and just like poked over Come the top. From the top. Yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't need you to see basically to do dunk. that. You know? Yeah. You would basically You're just dunk on people. spears on other yeah. people. But you are a smaller guy. So you probably wouldn't be like in the front of the front. Or behind no, no. reaching out, because you you have to think that your speed would become an, an asset, asset in yeah. some way. I think I think that's where that's why the outrider sort of thing mm-hmm. I I was thinking would be more appropriate. Yeah, I think that's that probably what that's probably what it would be. And I like to think of myself more as uh, spent my time on the front lines, didn't die, but yeah. perhaps have some wounds, figured out my own set of potions. Now, and I'm now just you're out there. It. Now you're I'm out just, there selling them. Yeah, call me. I mean, it's I'm. I'll be like Miami Vice. Yeah, in the back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yep. Uh, I slanging it. Yeah, of course. Um, it's like the modern day chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> what hurts? Yeah, uh, your foot. A, well, I can take care of that. I'll push on it. Here we go. Uh, Do you feel that crack? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you're yeah. fixed. Come back in a couple days. Oh man! So, all right, we've got this established that you. So, um, we we would be where we would be in the medieval times. Mm-hmm. We can make our way back to the aliens, though, because um, um, I I do believe that it's very plausible that there would be some sort of mm-hmm. something. And my final theory of how you end up being green is because, um. Throughout, we are going to figure out that the only thing we should eat is plants, chlorophyll. Oh, so okay. all of the sudden, 
we are second wave climate whatever and instead of veganism and gluten-free being the flavor of the month it is like mandated you know people are like the only people who are eating meat are like job of the hut basically yeah the chunkos yeah and extremely wealthy Mm -hmm. so i think that now everybody's eating plants next thing you know yeah plankton people are green because Mm -hmm. you're getting all that you're getting all, I believe it's the chlorophyll that'll turn you green. And then be really interesting to see if we just end up turning into energy generating things yeah. from the sun. Yeah. So now here we are. Don't even need to eat. Basically plants with brains. Yeah, we're, we, we can now metabolize our own energy from the sun. Maybe. It's possible. I mean, that would be an ideal sense where you don't That'd have to great. waste There's all not this a lot time. Of, no. And then everybody could be fasting, mm-hmm. too. And I mean, and then we would be skinny, like very skinny. Yeah. And then what you would do is you'd fly your starship, like, and you'd basically have these beaches of people that would just be tanning. Yeah. Around the sun or eating. Yeah, they'd be eating. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. To, I'm gonna go to lunch. I'm hungry. And maybe you would just be there for an extended period of time, and then you'd load up the batteries, mm-hmm. and um, Elon Musk's like branded each single star in the environment so you'd be like heading to musk's corner or yeah. you know musk Alley, musk island musk island <laughs> i don't know he would be essentially like the um he i, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie uh moonraker james mm-hmm. bond he would essentially well, think- be that that financier that weirdo dude mm. who yeah. is trying to repopulate the earth by sending a bunch of people to the moon and then destroying the earth and then coming back with all these, with all the, all the best, the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Musk will kind of be like that godlike figure, whether or not he's, he's a tough representation of the population to be sent out there. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? Well, just, he's so different than everybody. He's kind of like an alien in himself. He is rather alien. Like, just the way you know, I've read his book. It's pretty frustrating, actually, to just hear how he thinks of things. <clears throat> like just the way he approaches problems is very interesting, and he obviously solves a ton of them, and he's really good. Um, I was just listening to a podcast with a scientist who's working on nuclear power and calls Musk delusional. It was very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, he talks about how Musk is kind of working on these projects that aren't really going to save the earth. They're more for commercial consumption. Yeah. And I, so it was one of Bill Gates, one of the guys that works for the Gates Foundation that he just called them delusional. I obviously am putting more words in his mouth, but Well, I can see how a how a scientist would think a guy like that is delusional. Yeah, I mean, well, for sure. That's, it's rather delusional behavior. Mm-hmm. Like, but the reality is he's doing it and he's having tons of success. So, you know, I don't really care if you call him delusional. A lot of people probably called Charles Darwin or Einstein delusional. Yeah, delusion. And, I mean, delusion it, is. It's almost a compliment if you're like that far outside of the realm of like what is normal thought. Yeah. that I mean, that wouldn't that be the definition of delusional? Yeah. You're way out there. Like you're even farther out there. We, we can, you can put a there. negative spin on it, but exactly. it could also be positive. It could be. I don't know. Uh, I think he's I think he's doing some cool things. I'm very excited for Hyperloop too. Oh yeah. I think that's gonna be sweet. Yeah. I, I think 
the thing I like about him is he just challenges everything and he doesn't fear. He does not fear kind of boundaries, Mm-mm. which that's, that's something that's got to push the human race farther. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's uh and whether or not he starts naming stars after himself or whatever, I don't, I don't know, but it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Um, perhaps someday we'll end up looking like star Wars. I'm, I'm not a big believer that lightsabers are going to be a thing. No, I don't know. That'll be tough. I just think that's tough to, to create that out of minerals. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure how that one, I but I think we're going to look like aliens at some point if we don't kill each other mm. before. Yeah. If the parasite doesn't win. Yeah. I know which, the parasite inside of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I wish we could leave you on a more positive note. Uh, so how about this? Go out and get yourself a pair of just brown underwear if you want feedback-free underwear. That's all we got for you today, folks. Tune in next week when we'll be back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room. Mm-hmm.